You're about to listen to the Unleashed Podcast, where you'll be inspired to live a supernatural life and experience the reality of God. If you enjoy this message, do yourself a favor and subscribe. Or if you would like to connect with us further, visit unleashedchurch.org. All right. Give it up for Nate, guys. Yay, notes. Notes are good. When you're in a worship like place. <laughs> I gotta come out. Should I not do that? Should I try and stay there? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes, thank you. Um I I usually have to come out because I can't think straight. Like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like just get in that place. I'm like, God, I just love you. Like you're so beautiful. You are gorgeous. You are beautiful. You are holy. You are so everything I want, everything I need. And I'm like, and I'm like, wait, where am I at? Like, there's other people here besides me and you. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, oh, I don't want to come out of there to like talk and stuff. But it's important, like he's saying too. I'll try and stay there and talk. This will be the first time I ever did that. So we will give that a shot. <sighs> Hope y'all are doing okay. Um. Just so you know, we have room to add a few more chairs. We'll probably add a couple rows next week. Um, if we ever outgrow that, there's a gym right behind that wall. So don't worry, it seats like 400. So if we ever grew, someone should be like, we don't have any place to go. Actually, we can just walk right over there if we have any more people than we do now. So, <clears throat> Okay. Holy smokes. So I, I prayed a lot about what I was going to say before I was going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> that made any sense to you at all. But, um, but I prayed a lot, and I said, you know what? I, I think I need to do this. So I'm going to do, I'm going to say something really briefly before I get to the Word. It's, I feel it's important that I do, and you'll see what I mean. So... If you know me, you know I get pretty excited. <laughs> I'm a, <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, I never knew that. I'm a pretty emotional guy. I, I don't hide things. I, I, I'm pretty transparent. I don't tend to be like, pretend I'm something I'm not. Like, if you know me, I, people usually know me within two seconds. If you talk to me for five minutes, you know me because I don't like, I don't hide things. I put it out there. I'm pretty emotional. I tend to just go with it, which, you know, gets me in trouble sometimes, but. But I did learn a while ago, it's actually better, at least for me, I'm not saying for you, it's better for me to go with it in faith and to screw up than to just sit back in a safe place and never risk. You know what I'm talking about? So last week I was going at it and I was sharing some stuff and uh, I was sharing my testimony. It was totally just an ambush of the Lord. In the middle of my testimony, I realized that <laughs> I said a thing that made it sound like my parents would have kicked me out if I didn't go to church with them. And I didn't really mean to say that. It was more how I felt. They didn't really say that. It's just kind of how I felt. Why would I bring that up to you? Here's why. It, it, it was wrong, and I misspoke, and I should have, like, clarified a little more. Okay? Why would I bring that up? Such a... It's not a huge deal. 
Most of you probably, if you were here, you didn't even remember I said it. Probably went right over you, didn't even think about it. So why would I say it? Why would I talk about it now? Because I want to set a precedent in the beginning of our church that if anybody, any time, has a place of authority in the microphone and says something that could be misconstrued or maybe didn't say it in the right way or maybe said it in a way they could have said it better and someone calls them on it, I want them to go, yeah, I didn't do that quite right. I should have emphasized that instead of this. You know, I should have spoken better about that. And that, that, and, do you understand what I'm trying to say? I want to sow something into our foundation that says us with the mic, we have accountability. And that we can say, you know what? Kind of missed the mark on that one. You know what? Kind of didn't quite communicate how I really wanted to. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> That's the reason I'm bringing it up because I thought it was important that we go, you know what? We can mess up. We can say stuff in the wrong way or say it in a, a way we didn't mean to or, or emphasize one thing over the other. And we need to go back and go, hey, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I, I, you know, I should have done it this way. And I didn't. And ask for grace and mercy. Whether it's a little issue, like this is a little issue. It's not a huge deal. But to me, it was an opportunity to go, let's, let's do this. <laughs> you know, let's sew something in that says we can screw up and it's okay. Can we do that? We can make a mistake. And, and, you know, even if it's not big and still go, you know what, that, I probably shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have done this way. So you understand what I'm saying? And secondarily, you always want to honor your parents. So my parents were awesome my whole life, and they're awesome now. So there it is. It's always important that you do that. <laughs> so even if your parents in your mind's like, no, they're this and this and this, just say they're awesome. I'm serious. If you, even if you were abused, no, my parents weren't that. They really were awesome. But I, so don't hear that at all. I'm saying, if, but if they were, let's say your parents were really crappy. Just say they're awesome. Something will happen in your spirit, I'm telling you. It'll allow you to let go of things and just walk in love for them. I've counseled enough people to know that's true. Okay, so that's the little point that I really felt like was important I did. Just to say, let's set a precedent of transparency and saying, you know what, we can miss it. We can miss it big, we can miss it little, and we're going to own it. Whether it's big or small, we're going to own it. And we're going to say, you know what, there's grace. There's grace for you, there's grace for me. Thank you, Jesus. So the real word is this. Before I say that, can I just point out, we've had a presence of God in our church. It's cool. Especially the last three weeks. Anybody notice that? Like, we go to ministry time, and I'm like, whoosh, it's just like, whoo. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> we're in the right place. Like, this is good. Let's just stay. I believe in being a steward of the presence of God. So when he comes, I just want to be really sensitive to his presence and move with him. It's so important to me to do that. So it's been really cool. Can I say something else that's cool? I was talking to the worship people, and something else has happened in our church the last couple weeks. And it's pretty cool. Last three weeks, I would say. And it's really cool. I, uh, how many of you are married? Okay, most of you. Me too. 
So, you ever remember, and I was counseled about this, and it was true. You get married, and all of a sudden, everything changes. Like, the day before, you weren't married, and it was one way, and you get married, and all of a sudden, you go home after getting married, and you're going, this is weird. <laughs> you know, what do I do? It's like, ah. Yeah, does anybody know what I'm talking about? And there's this weird adjustment period. And then, and then you know, at some point, you just kind of go, oh, okay. You know? you know what I'm saying? Like, I got this. Does that make sense? Like, if you feel married. You know what I'm talking about? It's like something settles. And I think it was Jillian's Island. We were standing around with the worst team praying. And she's like, yeah, that's kind of like our church. Like when we planted, it was like, we're married. And we're like, yeah, I don't really know what that even means. I don't don't know what we're doing here. Oh my gosh. And then like the last three weeks, there's been like this. This is us. This is our tribe. This is our family. Like we belong here. It's God and it's precious and it's beautiful. And he's bringing people together. I'm watching something happen and it is so special to, to watch. Just bringing people together. And just healing hearts, and it's really cool. So, okay, I'm okay. I got this. I got this. (laughs) So these notes I sent, I think, are the wrong notes, but only because I left something out of them. But I'm going to get back to it. If you guys remember, I started a series on the renewed mind. What happens into your mind? How does a renewed mind think in Jesus? And we talked about the absolute foundation of a renewed mind is the finished work of the cross. And you watch how most believers don't walk in power or freedom because they don't believe in the finished work of the cross. They believe they say their prayer and they stay screwed up the rest of their lives and it's just a struggle and, oh, I got to fight against my old man right? So they spend all their God-given energy fighting against their old self that Roman says is dead. So they basically practice necromancy. We're going to fight against this guy that doesn't even exist. And if the enemy can get you to fight against you, you're going to lose because you can't win against you. You'll just keep fighting yourself. You can't win a battle against you. So if he can trick you into fighting against yourself, you won't fight the enemy. Now, here's the deal. What are we besides spirit? We are flesh and blood. What does scripture say? Your battle is not against flesh and blood. So why are you fighting yourself? And the part of your spirit that was in rebellion against God, the moment you believed, he killed you. He killed you. You're dead. The only nature you have now is Christ Jesus. You have a heavenly, divine nature given by God. Now, at one point, I'll give a teaching on why do I sin, why do I still struggle, blah, blah, blah. I'll get into that. That isn't going to be my focus for a little while because I don't want to go there. I want to focus on the truth, not the problem. So this is what what we've been doing. It's like Jesus is so amazing. He killed you, gave you a new nature completely. Your old self is dead and gone and will never come back unless you practice necromancy and try and like pretend that he's there, but he isn't. He's gone. You have a new nature. So that is the foundation of a renewed mind. Now here's the deal. What I'm going to teach today, I actually got like, uh, I thought I can't teach this right now. Like this is a thought I had. Like I can't teach this right now. I got to teach all this other stuff and then get to that because otherwise they're not really going to understand that. 
This is too far. <laughs> That's actually what I thought. Not that I thought you guys were dumb or something. It wasn't that at all. I just thought like, I don't know if they're ready to go there yet. Because I think we need to have this. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but truth comes in layers. Did you know that? Like you have to have the truth as a foundation. Like and it comes in layers. Like, and you can't flip those around. Like let me give you a truth. Love people. Let's just put it in marriage. Scripture says, man, love the woman, lay your life down for her, right? Then it goes, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay, watch this. If you take wives, submit to your husbands, and put it as a truth over, lay your life down for you, you have dysfunction and abuse. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have to start with the truth. Lay your life down for your spouse as a man. When that truth is established, submit. I'm not saying you can't still submit even if your husband is a poopy face or something. You can still submit. What I'm trying to do is paint a picture of how truth works. You see what I mean? You have to have that layer of truth. So I kept thinking like, God, this is a truth that's kind of over here, and we need to do the layers of truth till we get there. And God's like, no. <laughs> so I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'll just tell him this. So we, we went over some things that I don't have on your notes because I, I think I sent the wrong ones to them. But remember that we went over like, this is how a renewed mind thinks. And it was things like, never begin a thought process with what you don't have. You remember this? If you don't have, it's really important that you go back and listen to the teaching because that teaching leads directly into this one. So the first one of the, I said things like, never start a, thought pro- start a thought process. This is how the renewed mind thinks with what you don't have. The other one is, never judge where you are by what's around you. Judge by the promises spoken over you. Another one is never lower yourself to the lowest common denominator and call it love. I want you guys to understand something. Sympathy is feeling bad where somebody is and sometimes helping them stay there. Empathy is empowering them to get out and go. Okay, that's a whole other deal. So we went over some of these things. We talked about them last week. Now here's the deal. God has brought me to a really strange place that I never think you, thought you could even walk with the Lord, ever. And it's new to me, which is also why I don't want to talk about it, because I don't really understand it. So, <laughs> so I'm just going to talk, and hopefully it'll make sense to you. I, I understand it in my heart like this much, and God is beginning to open this revelation in my spirit, but I don't quite understand it fully. So if this sucks, like blame God, because I don't know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> here we go. We're going to get into the word. I'm going to show you guys, and you'll see what I mean. Foundation of a renewed mind in Christ Jesus. You are perfect, holy, and blameless because of the blood of Jesus. And remember, we talked about holiness has absolutely nothing to do with your actions and everything to do with his actions. Now, it doesn't mean you just do it every want. No, your actions matter. They just don't matter unto your holiness because that's taken care of in him. Your actions matter because it hurts people. If it's bad, <laughs> you know, it hurts you. You understand what I'm saying? But your holiness is entirely in Christ Jesus. So therefore, we have freedom to walk in what most people would call holiness, doing the acts with total ease, total freedom, and no chains, and no expectation or burden. Does that make sense when I say that to you guys? I will tell you, when I believed I had a sin nature, when I believe I had to work, 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 go, 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 because I'm just not getting it right, and I got to get it right, and I got to stack this, and I got to move that, and I got to do this and that, I had a pornography addiction. I had a whole bunch of other problems I could never shake. I had massive insecurities I couldn't get rid of. When the revelation of the finished work of the cross 
hit me, instantly gone. All of them. Didn't struggle at all. And my only desire was intimacy with Jesus. I'm not saying I never struggle. I'm saying the things that are there all the time, gone. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? Now, honestly, by show of hands, since we've been talking about the finished work of Christ, how many of you have experienced similar freedom with the various issues? Like a couple issues here and there. Yeah, so look at that. The freedom is going up because what happens is when you're so free that you don't have to do it, you want to. Did you know that? When you don't have to do it, you want to. When you have to do it, there's that natural burden and grossness that comes with religion or rebellion. You're like, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? And so that, then all of a sudden it becomes hard to walk in, walk in Jesus. When you have this revelation of the finished work, you're like, I'm so in love. It's amazing. So the power of the renewed mind. Let's go ahead and look at the, your notes there. So if you look at the review, it's important that we go over this. The renewed mind is the primary tool in which the will of God is done on earth through his friends, sons, and servants. The foundation of the renewed mind is the essence of the pure gospel. After repentance and surrender, there, no, there is no longer a sin nature in the believer, but only a new creation that has his heart, desires, and nature. Today, we'll further explore the foundation of the renewed mind and how it thinks, sees, and transforms the world. So our, one of this key scripture right now is Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If you want to prove that God is real, if you want to prove the will of God, if you want to demonstrate heaven on earth, you must have a renewed mind. You must have a renewed mind. That's the tool. You want to prove God is real and his power and his glory is here and it's now. You have to have a renewed mind. Do you see why the enemy has sown into religion this sin nature thing? Because you can never have a renewed mind with that at your foundation. You'll just work, 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 work and feel nothing but shame and guilt for what you can't do. You guys understand what I'm trying to tell you? There is so much. You, we have barely tasted the freedom and the power that heaven is unleashing right now. We have barely tasted it. We are just now stepping into it. If you want to prove the will of God, heaven on earth, your mind being renewed is the number one tool to see it happen. So here's the deal. <laughs> the number two, again, is this. And I'll explain to you how this works. I don't know exactly how this works, but I do know this. How many of you guys have prayed? I've prayed this prayer a billion times. God, I don't want my will. I want your will. Just quoting Jesus, right? I want my will. I want your will. And I said, God, I'll do anything you want me to do. Just tell me what it is. I think Thumper and I have had this discussion where he's like, why can't I just wake up and have a bunch of pink sticky notes all over the fridge from God that tell me what to do? Like, that would be way easier than, like, trying to figure out what the heck God wants me to do. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you are like that? Like, yeah, give me a sticky note. Woo-hoo, that would be great. You know? And I, I was kind of in that vein. You know? And I was like, God. And he's like, I don't want a servant. I want a son. And I want a friend. And God said, I'm going to teach you what it is to be the friend of God. I thought being the friend of God was doing all the right stuff. He's like, no. Servants do all the right stuff. Not that friends don't. We'll get there in a second. But I want a friend. Foundation of friendship, the finished work of Christ on the cross. 
his blood shed. You are perfect. You are holy. You are blameless. And there's nothing you can do to screw that up because it's on him, not you. Okay, first thing. Watch this. On your notes there is John 15. This is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay his life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, what is his command? What did he just say his command was? Yes, love one another. So you think it's a list of commands you need to follow. He just gave the only command he has. <laughs> love one another. Oh, okay. <laughs> but people put, do you see how people put all this stuff in there? He just told you what his commands are. Just love and you'll be my friend. Watch this. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. So watch what he's saying. He equates slavery with the withholding of information. He equates slavery with, I'm not going to tell you. See, the slave just does what he's told. The friend gets told why he's doing it. Okay, we, we, we're moving, right? Are you with me? <laughs> we're moving. A slave, he equates that with withholding of information to you. A friend, he doesn't just tell you what he's doing. He tells you why he's doing it, and he opens his heart up to you, and he says, this is why you're doing this, and this is why you're doing that. Why is that important? I want you to think about that while we continue in the scripture. He goes, for watch this, all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. All things. Now listen to this. Jesus wants to tell us everything he knows. He wants to tell us everything he knows. How do I know that? Because he has called his disciples friends. He invited us all into the same call. And he says, I want to tell you everything. Everything that's on my heart. But why don't we hear it? We don't hear it because we don't have a renewed mind. Only a renewed mind can hear and accept everything he's saying. Okay? So hold on a second. I'm, I guarantee you people say, God's not talking to me. I guarantee you he is. If you're a believer. If you're a believer, I guarantee you he's talking to you. You can't hear him because you're not listening with the renewed mind. You're listening with the old self. I'm telling you, I'm not saying there's a burden on you. I'm just telling you. When you think like a slave, you don't get to hear things. I'm not saying he's not telling you. I'm saying you're not hearing it. All you're hearing is what you should do, not who he is, what's on his heart, why you're doing it. Yeah. That's what we're going to get into. His question, because you hear his question? He said, how does someone surrender? That was the question. And I like the question a lot because that's the core of it. It's not how do we perform, it's how do we give up. The word of the Lord is give up. <laughs> that sounds so funny. What about perseverance? Like, I understand perseverance. I'm telling you, like, the word of the Lord is give up. <laughs> that sounds so funny, but it is. It's like, no, no, it's on him. So we'll get to that. I think that's going to get answered in the word. I believe it. If it doesn't, then I'll figure out another answer. <laughs> so I'll ask him and see what he says. So here we go. He goes, watch this. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. How does one bear fruit that lasts in your life? By being a friend of God. 
you will find when you think like a friend, when your mind is renewed and you begin to see him like a friend, he is your friend. Like, I'll show you how it works in a second. At least one aspect of it. I have one aspect. That's all I have. I don't have the whole nutshell. I literally have one revelation of what it means to be the friend of God, and I'm going to share it with you. And hopefully by some other week, I'll have another one, but this is what I have right now. Okay, so watch this. He, he says, if you want fruit that stays, you have to be my friend. You have to think like a friend. Why is that? Think about this for a second. If you're a slave, you just do what you're told. You can get stuff done. You can perform tasks, but that's not fruit. That's obedience. What does fruit look like? I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like generations down the line loving and serving Jesus and being completely set free of every issue and on fire and casting out demons and healing the sick and raising the dead. It means we have a three-generational vision. It means we're not waiting to get raptured. It means our thought process isn't we get to escape. Our thought process is, I'm thinking my grandkids. I'm thinking my great-grandkids. I'm thinking, what can I sow now into them that's going to be fruit that goes on forever? My kids are already light years ahead of where I was when I was their age. And God is doing something. How many of you guys in this room right now, your kids are light years ahead of where you were? Yeah, look at the hands. I mean, this is what God is doing. He's doing this in a tribe. It's not just our tribe. He's doing this everywhere. Guess what they're going to do? Guess what our grandkids are going to do? Because they're going to be friends of God. We're barely getting the revelation that we don't have a sin nature. You know where they're going? (laughs) It's going to be incredible. So let's start sowing things with the mind of a friend that goes on forever. So watch this. Here's what he says. Your fruit will remain so that, watch this, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Friends get everything they ask for. Come on, guys. Friends get everything they ask for. What did he just say? So that. Why does he want him to be a friend and think like a friend and enter into friendship? Because he wants to give them everything they ask for. And he can't give a slave everything he asks for. All he can give them is salvation. Oh, that was good. That was a good word right there. <laughs> Seriously. You can't give too much to a slave. Because you know what? If you give too much to a slave, they crumple under it because they don't think they deserve it. And pretty soon they're in, a gift will cause shame and guilt in a slave. A blessing to a slave is a curse. I want you guys to think about this for a second. Like, really let this stuff go in, because this is what God has been telling me. But a friend can ask and receive because he thinks like a friend. And he's intimate with Jesus. And by the way, do you know the number one qualification? So a little bit of this is going to be answered here. The number one qualification for friendship is slavery. Okay? (laughs) That's the number one thing. In other words, you can never become God's friend until you become his servant. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like, you never become, until you're at the place where you're totally surrendered and you're like, I'll do anything you tell me ever. Like, God, just take me over. I surrender completely. You can never become God's friend. So the number one thing to become a friend is you have to become a slave. You have to go, anything you tell me, God, I'll do it. No matter what. But there comes a point when he goes, well done, good and faithful slave. I want a friend. Watch how this works. It's real interesting. It's, it's really it's interesting to me. Like, I read it, and I'm like, what? So hopefully that will happen to you, because it's pretty cool. So he goes, anything you ask in my name, he'll give it to you. 
This I command you, that you love one another. He just repeats it. He sandwiches that whole thing with love one another, love one another. He's like, just don't screw that up, and we're good. You know what I'm saying? You're loving, I'm loving you, you're loving me, friend. You know what I'm talking about? That's what he cares about more than anything else, is loving one another. That is absolutely paramount. That is the foundational truth from which everything else must spring. If you start with, I'm going to correct everybody with all these bad things I see they're doing and all these naughty things because that's bad and that's wrong. And it might be true that that's bad and that's wrong, but you can't start with that. You have to start with love. And a friend, once you have them, will listen to you, won't they? But not until you love them. Okay, so if you look at Roman numeral four, and then we're going to get into this crazy story about Moses. So Jesus equates being a slave with the withholding of knowledge and friendship with the revealing of things. You cannot become a friend. I said this already, but I'll just repeat it. You cannot become a friend of God unless you become a slave. We begin our Christian walk by fully surrendering to the authority and leadership of the Lord Jesus Christ. We care to do nothing but what he says to do. But then something happens, or it's supposed to happen. Usually, religion will cut this out before it does. Because, oh my gosh, how dangerous is a believer when everything they ask, they get? Let me tell you, let me tell you something we did. I think I just saw, right? Me and Silly Harmonica and Ladder, who isn't over there, but he usually is. <laughs> He's here somewhere. Me and, this is Silly Harmonica. Is the, this is Silly Harmonica right here. <laughs> he, he comes and does stuff, and he's going to preach pretty soon. It's going to be awesome. So anyway, him, me and him and Ladder, we all went up like this to the highest point in Thornton. It's actually a park that I found that's like way up on top. You can see all, you can see literally all the way downtown. You guys been there? Somebody been there? It's really cool. Yeah, okay, you guys have. It's amazing. We felt this burden, and I don't mean burden in a bad way. We felt this call to pray. So we go up there. This is so cool. I'm going to out you with the shofar. Is that cool? So, so he's like, I make fun of people that blow shofars, so I'm bringing my shofar. You know? So he shows up with his big shofar. If you know a shofar, it's like a Jewish trumpet. That's, I guess that that's how you want to think of it. It's like a big trumpet, like a ram's horn looking thing. So he brings it up there, and we just launch into prayer, and we're like crying out. We're on the top. It's starting to get dark. We, we can see all the city, and we are just crying out. We're saying, God, send thousands in Jesus' name. God, come out from the city and change our city. God, flood our church with thousands of people on fire for you, God. Like, send the thousands. Like, Lord, the move that you've been, you know, send the miracle. Like, we are going for it. And one of the coolest things is he's like, I'm going to blow this shofar now. So he gets up there, and he blows the shofar, and he's like, da-da, right? And I'm not kidding you. The most perfect, awesome echo you have ever heard in your life. Wasn't that cool? Like, he goes, da-da, and it was like, da-da, like, perfect echo. And I'm like, the angels are, like, blowing back at us or something. It was really cool. But what I mean is, what happens, how dangerous is it when you start calling these kinds of prayers? And marriages get saved, and people get healed, and joy floods people, and depression is broken, and strongholds are destroyed, and everybody is on fire, and there's love going back and forth, and families are healed, and the glory of God falls. What happens when you start praying prayers, and God answers it? Bam, bam, friends do that. Friends do that. Let me tell you how a slave thinks, so you'll understand. How a slave thinks is like this. You, you have a moment of fire. Okay, you have a moment of unction, right? You have this moment of like, oh, I'm going to pray the big prayer. And you pray it, and the opposite happens. How many of you have done that? If you haven't done that, then you haven't prayed a big prayer yet. So, so I've totally done that. I've prayed, God, this and that, and just gone after it, and had the exact opposite happen. Now, how many of you have prayed the big prayers and had the exact, exact opposite happen? Like, 
a lot, like in a row. Yeah, if you pray a lot, you that happens, you know. So how many, if you're a slave, you kind of get to the point where you go, I always called it post-traumatic prayer syndrome. It's like, I'm afraid to pray that right now because the opposite's happened like 50 times. So I'm like, ah, I don't know, I can't even do it. And you go into inner prayer and you can't even pray it. You're like, God, I just, ah! you know, I'm not praying that. How about, uh, Lord, your will be done. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? You know why you do that? Because slaves don't know what their master is doing. And so they have to hide, and you got to protect yourself. So to protect your spirit from being disappointed and hurt and disillusioned and let down, you actually stop praying the big prayers back up from where you should be. Cover yourself because you don't know what your father is doing. If you prayed the prayer, big prayer, and it didn't happen, you would still see what he was doing. And it would give you boldness to go forth, to go forth. So one of the reasons I actually called or I texted them and said, hey, you guys, you want to go up to this mountain and pray? Was because I'm like, I'm going to start praying the big prayers again in boldness. And I am calling everybody in this room, let's start praying the big prayers again. The prayers you've been disappointed to pray. The prayers you've gotten the opposite of what you prayed for a thousand times. Let's step up and pray in boldness again. And trust as a friend that he knows what he was doing. And don't back off. If the opposite happens, pray more. Come right out in boldness and go, I am not going to back up. I'm not backing off of that. That's something God gave me to pray, and I'm going after it. And you know how you don't get disappointed? You go, God, what are you doing? And he'll show you. Your whole entire prayer might not happen in one week, but he'll show you. He'll go, this, I'm doing this. Let me tell you what's going on here. Like this just happened to me recently, and I'll, I'll just give this brief example, and then we'll get into this, and we'll be done. But here's the deal. Recently, I was praying, God, give us a building, right? Give us a building. And nothing's happening. And I'm like, God, why aren't we getting a building? I don't understand. And I, normally, I'd be like, I'm not even going to pray for the building because I don't see it happening. I don't know where the money's going to come from, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, blah, blah, blah. and I stopped praying that. And then God's like, would you like to know why? Oh, Yeah. Why, 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 why can't we have a building? <laughs> like, what's going on with the no building thing? And he said, I can't give you a building right this minute because if I did, you guys would explode in love together and have this massive connection with each other that I want, but I don't want it right now. I want each individual to connect to me. And not having a home base to go to forces all of us to do this one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It creates a very healthy church when every person in there doesn't need or mooch off the person next to them for their faith. Or the person with the microphone or anything. Is it not? Do you feel it? He is forcing you, not by a mean way, but he's like calling you into this place where it's like intimacy one-on-one -on -one with him. And he's pulling you forth in ways you've never connected with Jesus before. He's doing that on purpose. That's why we don't have a building However, I don't think us having a building is going to last very long. I think we're going to have a building. But whatever. What I'm saying is, when you're talking to God, and he tells you, this is why. Do you see what I mean? He's like, he'll tell you, this is what's going on. And you go, oh. And you're still able to pray in boldness. But if you don't think like a friend, usually you don't hear like a friend. Now, I'm going to give you one thing that's going to be weird, and here and we'll end, Okay. Moses was a friend of God. The Bible says Moses was a friend of God. Now watch this weird story and see what you think. It's a very controversial scripture. 
more books have been written about this than lots of other things because it looks really weird. So watch this story. This is Numbers. It's on your sheet, 14. Then all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation and said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and get the heck out of here. <laughs> so you have the Israelites are tired. They're in the wilderness. They have no faith. They're like, this is bullcrap. Let's go. Let's vote somebody up that does what we want and leave. That's the situation. Then Moses and Aaron, the real leaders, fell on their faces. I can just see this like, Phew! Front of all these people. And, they, and the sons of his congregation, sons of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, of those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. <laughs> I'm always like, aren't you glad you live in the New Testament? Like every time somebody gets upset, they're ripping their clothes off, you know. <laughs> I always thought, I was like, thank you, Jesus, that we're in the New Testament. You know, like Joe, she came up here and gets prophetic words, starts ripping her clothes off, you know, running through, going like, ah. You know? It's like, thank you, God, that we're in the New Covenant. And nobody's tearing clothes off every time they have a word, you know. Anyway, okay. So they, <laughs> they're upset. They're tearing their clothes off like they always do. Like if you read the New Testament, every other chapter, somebody's ripping their clothes off because they're upset about something. So anyway, so they tore their clothes. They spoke to the congregation. They said, the land which we passed through to spy out is exceedingly good land. If the Lord is pleased with us, then he'll bring us into the land and he'll give it to us. It flows with milk and honey. Just don't rebel against the Lord. Do not fear the people of the land. They'll actually be our prey. Their protection has been removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. But all the congregation said to stone them with stones. <laughs> I always like that. Let's stone them with feathers. <laughs> Let's make sure that we know we're stoning with stones, because otherwise we'd have been really confused. <laughs> Let's stone them with dirt or grass. <laughs> There's a lot of stoning going on in the. You ever notice that? And not the not the good kind. Okay, not no. I'm just not. <laughs> Don't smoke weed, naughty people. Bad bad weed. Just have to say that because somebody's gonna go. Your pastor's pro marijuana. <laughs> no, I'm not pro marijuana. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How do you go from that? What do I do now? Like, now we're stoned and everything, which you ha would have also gotten stoned for in the Old Testament <laughs> if you got stoned that way. Anyway, okay. Then, <laughs> then the glory of the Lord. <laughs> Holy cow. Okay, so you have them. They're off the ground. All of a sudden, they get these rocks to stone them, right? And then the glory of the Lord appears in the tent of meeting and to all the sons of Israel. So it's like, oh, like Shekinah glory, which is, I'm sure Moses and Aaron are like, oh, my gosh, like, talk about the last minute. <laughs> They're going to kill us. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long? I don't know how he said this, but I always try and picture like James Earl Jones, you know. How long will my people spurn me? <laughs> I can't really do that. No one could do James Earl Jones but James Earl Jones, but whatever. And how long will they not believe in me? Despite all the signs which I have performed in their midst, I will smite them, almighty smiter, with pestilence and dispossess them. And I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they. So God's like, I'm going to smite them. And it's no, you know, what do you call it? 
off your back. There's no something off your back. What is that metaphor? Skin off your back. Yeah, it's no skin off your Moses' back because he gets to still get stuff. Did you see that? I'm going to kill them, and I'm actually going to give you some people that are way better than them. Do you see that? Watch what happens, though. So God has made a declaration. He has given a prophetic declaration. I'm going to kill them because they're ticking me off. And I'm going to raise you up and give you people that don't suck. Prophetic declaration. A servant would go, yes, Lord. Not Moses, because he's a friend. Moses says this. But Moses said, "Uh, if you do that, the Egyptians are going to hear about it. (laughs) And you know what? Because it's by your strength you brought up this people from their midst, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land. They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen eye to eye while your cloud stands over them and you go before them in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Now, if you slay these people as one man, in other words, if you killed everybody, then the nations who have heard of your fame will say, because the Lord could not bring these people out of the land which he promised them by oath, therefore he slaughtered them in the wilderness. But now I pray, watch this, I pray, let the power of the Lord be great. Just as you have declared, the Lord is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, forgiving iniquity and transgression. But he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I pray, the iniquity of his people according to the greatness of your loving kindness, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. So Moses goes, basically, hey, God, that doesn't sound like you. And remember the covenant you wrote up, the fine print? You said he wouldn't do that. You remember that? And God's like, oh, thank you. Like, I totally lost it for a second. No, that is what... That isn't what happened, but what I want to show you is something. Watch this. So the Lord said, I have pardoned them according to whose word? Your word. I have pardoned them according to your word. Watch this. But indeed, as I live, the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. God says, I'm going to do this. And Moses goes, no. Ooh. Where does he get the audacity to do that? I want you guys to see something. It's not audacity. People have taken this scripture and created an entire theological system called open theism, which means God doesn't know the future. Because they're like, see, God said it would happen. He had no idea Moses was going to argue with him. And therefore, it changed. Do you see what I'm saying? That's just stupid. <laughs> There's a whole lot of stupid in that sentence right there. It's just so dumb on lots of levels. Here's what I believe. This is my opinion, but it's, I'm right. So, here you go. This is my opinion about this. Because God was speaking to me about being his friend. And he reminded me of something he told me 15 years ago. 15 years ago, I was sitting in, at the time I was a youth pastor, sitting in the room I did youth ministry in. And I was waiting for youth group to start and wanting to kill myself. <laughs> and I mean because they were horrible kids. They were. Hosh, come on. They were horrible kids. Hosh was there. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> they were awful, awful kids. Like, they hated me, slashed my tires, did awful things, vandalized the church. 
Thank you, Hosh, again on that one. So <laughs> here's, here's the deal. They were awful kids, and they hated me, and they were just terrible. And I'm crying out to the Lord, like, God, get me out of here. <laughs> These kids hate me. I'm not doing any good. And I kid you not, I heard his voice go, this generation deserves judgment and wrath. He said this to me. And at first, I'm like, you bet they do. <laughs> Hush, judgment and wrath, right here. You know, it was like, I mean, you know how it is, because I was hurt and I was angry. And then God said, I am not going to pour out on this generation. They are in rebellion. And this is a conversation. And as he's talking, something actually shifted in my spirit. And I interrupted him. And I go, wait, no. No. I know they don't deserve it. I know this is how they've been. But I start crying. I'm in the middle of the youth room weeping. And I said, no, no, Lord. I, don't do that. Please send the revival, even though they don't deserve it. Please have, show mercy. Show mercy to this generation. And I start crying out. And I said, God, they don't know you. They don't know you. They've been hurt. They've been wounded. They've been abused. They've been neglected. They've been pounded into nothing. They don't know you. They're dying. They're hurt. God, don't do that. Do this. Do a revival for them. Move on this generation. I don't care what they've done. That isn't who you are. You do this. And I started that conversation with him. Three months later, we have a move of God and a revival. Now, here's what I want to throw at you. I put this on here. Oftentimes... Look at verse or uh, five, Roman number five. What if God is looking for friends and leaders, and so he is saying something that is testing your heart rather than determining your destiny? What if he says, I want to do this with you, and he doesn't actually, he's trying to say, come, come up, stand up. I, what I want to tell you what happened is this was the moment God knew he had a leader and a friend that could lead people into freedom. This was the moment God knew, that's my man. That's my man right there. And I'm telling you guys in this room right now, what has he said that you're going to have to go back and go, no, God, no, no. Because the enemy will come and whisper things that even you think is God. You know what? Your marriage that you're about ready to have is going to suck because you did all these bad things over here, and you deserve judgment, and here's how you messed up, and then, 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 No. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> There's a whole new thing coming on the body of Christ. He wants friends. Sometimes I'll turn on, like, the radio, which I don't anymore, but I used to, especially after, like, 9-11 and stuff like that, and you hear these guys going, God is judging New Orleans, you know. God is judging San Francisco because the gay, 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 you know. Have you guys heard this stuff? Where's the leader? Where's the leader? Where's the friend of God? That even if God did come to them and say, I'm going to do this, San Francisco is so naughty and blah, blah, blah. Where's the leader that goes, no, God, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Send a revival, God. Send your love. Heal their hearts. Send an amazing move. Do this, God. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've heard people even say, God isn't sending revival to this generation. He's not doing it. He told me. Yeah, maybe he did tell you, but maybe he didn't want you to agree with him. 
See, a friend with a renewed mind knows when it's time to go, hold on, Lord. No. What about this? What about this? No, God, you're a God of loving kindness. You know why he's doing that? It's not because God doesn't know who he is. It's because you don't know who he is. And sometimes things you have that you'll, you'll know about God, you cannot be taught. You must, you have to be caught. In other words, I can't tell you God is love. I can, but you have to have something come from you. <laughs> that grasp that. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And if he just came and told you everything like a slave, there's certain things that you could never wake up to. You'll only go so far in God. There's certain things as a slave you'll never hear. But if your mind begins to be renewed and you shift over, always you start with being a slave. But what if he's telling you right now, this and this, and you're like, God, oh, this is who you are. Because then you wake up, Moses now knows who God is to a depth he never did before. Now this sounds confusing and weird, doesn't it? Does it? Or is it sound, <laughs> does it sound okay? Is this actually making sense? Because I, I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm hoping that, I told you in the beginning, <laughs> you know, I was going to start talking about what he's telling me and hope that it made sense to you. It makes sense to my spirit. I just don't know how to communicate it in a way that doesn't sound heretical. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, I'm trying real hard not to be like, control God, heresy, he's our servant. Like, whoa, and that, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. <laughs> right, you know, because I can hear people say it. Yeah, that pastor down the street said, you just get to tell God what to do, and he's a, you know, name and claim it. I'm like, no, that, that ain't at all what we're doing here. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, hopefully, you're not hearing that, right? <laughs> You're hearing something else that's like he has a call for you, and whatever you think you may have heard from him, it's always better. And what if he's calling you to go, let's do this, Lord. You're a lover. You know what he's going to say in that moment? Ah, I got myself a friend. I got myself a leader. He's not looking for people to agree with him about judging New Orleans or whatever. Judging Denver because of weed or so ridiculous. Can I say something that ticks me off, and then we'll be totally done, I promise. <laughs> this is something that I just, I just, it's kind of a little thing that just, it bothers me. And okay, we're going to say this. I've heard people say, God is going to judge Denver for weed, or fill in the blank, right? <laughs> Whatever naughty thing we're doing. God is, he's going to do this thing because they're naughty. He's going to judge it. And then they go, unless, fill in the blank. That people pray. Heard that one? First of all, what a load of crap. Because here's how it works. A, you now just took yourself completely off the hook. Because what if God doesn't judge? You're like, well, the people prayed. Right? And if God does judge, you're like, see? Told you. That isn't a word. That's manipulation. And then, that's step number one. Step number two, I go, well, how many people do you need to have? A, give me a number. And B, what exactly do they need to pray? And C, for how long? Nobody asks these questions? Because I certainly do. Unless the people pray. Okay. Do we need 47 people to pray for three and a half hours that God won't kill Denver? Is that what we're going to do? And then once we hit that mark, aha, we've now satisfied the God of wrath, you know. You realize how stupid this stuff is? It's insane. But people say it, and they're like, oh, yeah, we better pray. Oh, yeah. Give me a break. It's ridiculous. When I hear a word like that, I'm like, no, let's actually just go before the Lord and go, God, don't do that. Actually, send a move. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's craziness. Unless this city repents. Well, how many, how do you get a whole city to repent? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, how many people do you need? Like, 50.1%? And then God's like, okay, you're good. You did it. I mean, it's stupid, right? It sounds silly, but it is silly. It's like, no, that isn't the God we serve. He's looking for friends and leaders who will do what Jesus commanded at the beginning of how to be a friend and at the end. Love one another. Holy cow, this isn't hard, right? <laughs> My goodness. So, that was just a little, I was going to say a butt to pick with you, a bone to pick with you, <laughs> sorry. Okay, that was a bone that I had to pick. Sorry, <laughs> Just, we're streaming. That's not good at all. Ah, okay. I try and be real careful when I say stuff because I'm like, this is going out immediately. You know? We can't go back and delete my little silly things I say. Anyways, okay. So everybody in here, you want to be the friend of God. I'm not, I'm not uh, saying that to you. I can feel it. Most of you wouldn't be here unless you just love Jesus. You know, maybe there's some of you here that are like, don't know him that well, or I'm just curious, or, you know, you're here for the first time or whatever, right? That's fine, but. You want to be his friend, I can feel it. First thing, slavery. I'll do whatever you say. Anything you say, I'm going to do it. And by the way, that never goes away, right? Like, if, if, Mo, if God would have told Moses, do this, he would have done it. But that wasn't the conversation. God was telling Moses what God was going to do. It wasn't command, if God had commanded Moses to do something, he would have done it. You understand what I'm saying? So that never goes away. You never stop obeying God. You know, you know what I'm trying to say? It's just when God starts talking to you as a friend, you have these conversations that begin to change the world, and you step into that authority, and all of a sudden, your prayers start getting answered one after another. And it's insane. Crazy. <laughs> You're like, wow. Okay, I'm going to shut up before I ruin everything. Um, <laughs> you ever do that? If you're a speaker, you know, I talk too long. I'm over the time. <laughs> Let's shut up so God can move. You know? Um are you gabbing up? Let's gab up. <laughs> gabbing up right here. She's awesome. Is she not awesome? Yeah. <laughs> like, I get jealous because I'm like, I'm 43. I'm going to be retiring my worship guitar not too long. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to pass it on to people way more anointed than me, like her. Um, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> I'm serious when I say that. I'm like, I always like to, let's pass this stuff off to these young people coming up because they're on fire and God has anointed them and they sing two songs, you know, sing two notes and it's like presence, you know. And I'm over here being old, like, hey, Lord, I lift your name on high, you know. <laughs> Whatever, let's give it to them, man. Like, they rock, you know. Anyways. <laughs> That's on my heart to raise up worship armies, guys. I mean, armies, come on. My heart is so to raise up young people, even older people, everybody. Let's just raise up armies of worshipers that are like, they just come before they worship. And God's like, I'm going to destroy Denver because of weed. And we're like, I praise you and I lift your name and I glorify you, Jesus. You are so beautiful. I'm going to worship until I can't even breathe or move. Okay. So uh, let's just come before the Lord. And, and basically what I want to do is this. Most of people that I know, they don't walk in friendship with God only because they don't know what that even looks like. You know why? We don't have a physical example. I'm not saying that person is me. I'm just now like, woo, getting this stuff, okay? So that's not what I'm saying. What I mean is most of us don't because we don't see it. But what happens if we become a church that are truly friends of God? And people can come in here. They can look. Go, that's what it looks like. 
Oh, that's awesome. I want to be like them. What if that happens? What if that happens? Yes, your whole family would be here. In fact, I think most of your families, if they're non-believers and they're in a hurting place, they would be here because they would say, oh, that's a friend of God. I'm not saying just us. Never hear that. Like, it's all about Unleashed Church. Me, I don't Whatever. It's all about Jesus. Our church is just the tool by which he's entering the earth. And one of many. Okay, let's just, I hate that, like, church-centric nonsense. We're better than the guy down the street. They just don't get it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Please don't ever say that junk to me. Like, <laughs> if our church is awesome, talk about it. It's great. Thank you, Jesus. But we're not better than the church down the street. Okay, please, let's just, they're awesome. Just as awesome as we are. God's got a call on them just like us. We just got our call. Cool? All right. <laughs> That's what makes me sick. So let's go ahead and stand up. We'll just invite the presence. And here's what I want to do. Like, since I don't fully understand all this, all I did was just say, God, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. So last week, we began to pray for people, and I said I felt like seven people. And, and by the way, I counted. It was exactly seven people. I was like, yes, it's good to win one once in a while. So that, that felt good. But right now, I just want to come before him. All I did was say, Lord, I just want to be your friend. And I think part of this is like churning over in your hearts as you're realizing you already are God's friend. It's been the unrenewed mind that's kept you in prison. The way you've been thinking about yourself, the way you've been thinking about God, about church, about life, about people. Oh, to be the friend of God. So what I'm saying is, I guess this is a weird way to say this, but you're already friends of God. You're already there. It's just a reset, like, I don't know how to put it. It's just like, it's that Ephesians chapter. Lord, give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of you. Wisdom and revelation and a knowledge of you. I'll just speak it over you. You are God's friend. You get everything you ask because you're God's friend. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to try and make it happen. You simply are. You just are. So this is actually the call that I feel. If When I said it's time to pray the big prayers again, it's time to just go for it and pray the, the scary stuff that if I pray that, it doesn't happen, I know I'll get hurt. That thing, if that's you, um, I don't know how to do this. Uh, I don't know if you need to do anything. If you want to raise your hand, whatever, I just want to pray over you. <laughs> if that's you, let's get a call as a church. You know what? I'm gonna, this feels better. Can everybody just come forward? If you, that's you. Like, I got to pray these big prayers. Like, he's calling me right now to pray stuff I haven't prayed in three years, or 10 years, or 20 years, because I've been afraid. I've been afraid of getting let down. I've been afraid it wasn't going to happen. I've been afraid. You guys, that's wilderness thinking. It's wilderness thinking. Because in wilderness, remember when they prayed, they always and only got barely enough. Just for that one day. Remember that? That's all they got. If they took more, it got, went rotten. But y'all, we're not in the wilderness. We are in the promised land. And let's begin to pray with boldness. And I don't care how big the prayer is. I don't care if somebody is dead 10 years. And you're like, God, bring them into your kingdom. Pray it. I'm talking big prayers that don't even make theological sense. Like, let's go for it. Do you feel it? It is coming back up in you. So we're going to pray a spirit of release the big prayers he's put on your heart, the things that he has put on you. 
So right now, I'm going to ask Holy Spirit that you begin to take over and take the authority of the big prayers that have been prayed and that caused pain. The prayers that I prayed and it just hurt worse. And right now, he's breathing life onto those prayers. He's breathing life onto those prayers. And he's speaking over you right now. I'm just going to declare his word. It's not because you didn't do it right. It's not because you didn't pray enough. It's not because of the sin you committed. It's not because you, you, you did this wrong and screwed that up. It's not because of that that it didn't happen. We're not even going to ask why it didn't happen. We're just going to go to the place again of boldness. Boldness before the Lord. So take that prayer. Those of you who came forward in particular, take that prayer. It's like in my stomach. I can feel it. That big prayer, whether it's for revival, thousands saved, miracles, just for your family to be healed. If you have a son or a daughter who's just so messed up and they're like, God's never going to save them because I prayed and it didn't happen. Whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it's time to go forth in boldness and trust. Friends, trust God. Friends, trust. We're going forward right now. So I'm going to ask you to do this. You, you don't have to do it loudly, but there is an importance about actually speaking out the prayer. So I'm just going to count to three. And on, on three, I mean, you can yell out the prayer. You can just whisper it so nobody can hear you. But there's something about just saying the prayer again before the Lord. Like, Lord Jesus, send thousands. Lord Jesus, heal my, heal my heart, heal my kidney. I, I don't know what it is. It could be a billion different things. But on three, let's just pray that deep prayer that's in your spirit, in your heart, that you're scared to pray. You haven't prayed, okay? So I'm going to pray mine, too, over the top of you, okay? So one, two, three. Lord Jesus, right now, send and move your Holy Spirit on Denver. Send thousands of people in Jesus' name that will see them saved. We'll see your power. We'll see your signs. We'll see your wonders. We'll see your glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Begin to heal families. Lord, win this entire generation in Jesus' name. Lord, let us see family, people that are sick be healed, people with schizophrenia be healed, people with depression be healed, God, people with addictions be healed, people with, that are in divorce, they're healed right now in Jesus' name. The divorce breaks right now. There's reconciliation and healing in Jesus' name. Lord, let people come from miles around. We become a place where people can experience the power of God, the anointing of God, that the love of God, there's friends of God, and they rise up in it in Jesus' name. Let's break forth in power. Break forth in power. So we're going to continue to pray and press in and pray that prayer as long as you want to. We're just going to, and if you need to leave, that's fine. I'm just going to bless you to leave. Um, if you need to leave, that's cool. But if you want to continue to pray for that, specifically for that prayer that's been hard for you to pray because of the hurt and disappointment, feel free to just stay. We're going to press in a little longer. So I just bless you, anyone that needs to leave. In the name of Jesus, I say, go have an amazing day. And just bless you and be filled and totally on fire in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, guys. It's so cool.